your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Talking Power Podcast, episode 159. I'm here with co-host Todd Brinkworth. To my left, sitting opposite us, is Nick Cogginos. Nick, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, inviting me along. It's really great to have you here. You know your name I've heard quite often over the duration, and I said, well, it would be really great to meet Nick one day because he's done so many things and, and a master of, of so many things as well. We're going to talk about all the things you've done on this podcast, but just tell us, I'd like to start, like, um, these days you sit on the WASMA committee, West Coast Vanners, and are active in the WA car scene, but talk us through, I want to take right back to where it starts and maybe it didn't start here, but talk us through those early days at the Renegade Vanners Club of New South Wales. Renegade Vanners, oh, that's back in the 80s. Um, a friend of mine, my, my best friend, Scott Wilson, and I uh, formed the Renegade Vanners in the Sutherland Shire, um, best place in the whole country. Um, and uh, we didn't... That there were there were clubs around us, like Sin City were over in the next um, district, so in... Um, uh, just across the, the the river, basically, we didn't want to go and join them. We wanted to have our own our own club. Um, I think there was a show on TV called the Renegades, and we picked up the name from there. Mm. Uh, we started the club. Uh, I had a green AZ. Oh, sorry, I had a a, a Mark One Escort panel van to start with. Yep. Um, which was pretty cool. Then I tried that in on a a, a green AZ Sandman. Scotty had a um, a Persian Sand. HJ panel van, uh, windowless with um, a full grill. Uh, and we made up some pamphlets. I got my mum to run off some pamphlets at, uh, at her work because no one had um, coffee machines back then. And we would see a van driving down the road and we'd pull up beside it and throw the pamphlet out at them. And, and then uh, that's how the, the uh, club evolved. Well, this is all obviously in the 80s. It's pre-internet, <laughs> pre-email, pre-everything we have now. Free everything, yes. So tell us, like, what was the grind like back in those days to try and get members to get them on board? What was that like? A lot like what it is today. You, you still had to um, get things out to people. You'd have to mail out the, 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 the newsletters rather than sending out a message or, or an email because you just didn't have that, that type of vision. Mm. Um, I spoke a lot to John Strawn of uh, Alley Cat and the Chrome Exchange fame. Uh, and he became a uh, an uh, honorary member of of uh, Renegade Vanners, um, and he was uh, inspirational right throughout what what we did. Mm, yep, yeah. Talk us through that Renegades back in those days. There was a particular van that caught my interest. Um, it really showed the sort of modifications that were done in the eighties. But Innovisions, talk us through that that particular van there. Innovisions wasn't a part of our club though. That, uh, that was a van from up up north, and that had that that was wild, and and still is wild. Mm. Um, Jag diff, um, massive modification on guards and the front end, and uh, I think it had um, a, a supercharger on it. That was the bonnet was moulded into the the uh, top of the the the, the um, uh, air filters. Yep. Um, Again, quite an all the, the the vans from up 
the, the North Coast were, were, were uh, quite inspirational. You had uh, Innovisions, you had Street Luther, which is still around today. Yeah. Um, all of those vans sort of uh, helped form the, um, the van scene back then. Yeah, it certainly did. I have fleeting recollections because back in 81, I was only six years old, so I was only fairly young. But I do remember that van potentially being in one of my early editions of might have even been Van Wheels or Street Machine. I honestly don't remember, but I do. I've got the copy of that at home, and I and I remember that van even as a little kid, thinking, "Wow, look at the amount of work that has gone into this car." So much work. Yeah. So much. Work. Yep. Yep. We'll talk about vanning a bit later on. Anyway, we'll get we'll sort of start with that and kind of finish off with that. I want to know what your thoughts are on where it is today, but we'll we'll get we'll get back to that. So that that infancy of starting car clubs like even back then in the 80s like how often were you meeting and how often were you having events and 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 those sort of things how often were you doing those sort of things we would do our club runs um pretty much every week or every second week it was a different era then so you know now we're all older and we've got commitments and families and stuff back then back in those 80s you know we were you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old boys that, you know, thought that we were 10-foot tall and bulletproof and we didn't give a, a hoot about what was going on in the world. Mm. We just wanted to get in our cars and go and drive and that's what we did. I mean, you know, there was nothing to have six or seven mates in the back of your, your van with the, the, the um, back door up so that, you, you know, while you were driving down the road. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a I mean, I, I didn't, I was just too young. I didn't have a licence then, so I didn't get my licence to 92 and I think... In many ways, I missed a lot of that, you know. Um, by 92, things had changed <laughs> significantly <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you weren't able to do those. So you, you could, but it was, yeah, frowned upon by the time the 90s rolled around. So Yeah, by, by then too, I was already uh, driving road trains around the country and um, Scott Wilson was killed in a car crash, mm. uh, which was pretty devastating to all of us. Yeah. Um, lost him and two of his kids um, to a drink driver. Uh, mm. Which was pretty horrendous. I won't go too, too deep in, in, into that one, yeah. um, but um, that sort of put a nail in the the uh, coffin, so to speak, for Renegades, and we all sort of went our um, separate ways. Yeah, yeah, for okay. quite a while. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Mark One Escort. Tell us a bit about that car. I saw, I've seen photos of it. GGV O seven zero. So I'd ha- my first Mark One Escort had um, just a little white. Little white van that my dad sort of found for me for fifteen hundred bucks, and I thought it was the best thing, you know. And I was I was like seven and a half, and uh, it had razor blade for tyres, and and I thought that I was Peter Brock, and uh, I didn't really realise that those little cars, that little tyre, couldn't handle a twenty five k hairpin bend at eighty k's an hour, and um, sort of wrote that car off um, that <laughs> day. Um, then I've come across, or Dad found me a, another car, which was a an XA hardtop uh, mm. for fifteen hundred bucks. Oh my god! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> and it was a three hundred two. <laughs> it was a great, great, great car. Um, bit too big for me because I was only a short fella, you know, yeah. pretty slight back then. Um, and uh, I ended up, um, I think I picked up um, the second Mark II Escort van mm. from another car yard. Uh, at uh, Cogra over in Sydney and that was again around about the $1,500 mark mm. and mm-hmm. um, that already had flares, it already had um, 
beefed up suspension on it and uh, it looked pretty cool. Mm. Um, I, I put side pipes on it and 45 mil side draft Weber and thought that I was now even better than Peter Brock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but what is it about? Because it's a funny car. I, I liked them from a distance. I didn't mind them, but a few friends of mine had them and swore by them and would not buy anything else either. They had their own little niche cult following and I've always wondered what that was and the friend of mine that had had a few of them he wants to get back into it now but it's too hard now they're way they're way too expensive yeah true yeah um what was with them i, I just like the the van itself like the size of the car was, was good for a little fella um not so little anymore unfortunately um it had and that one with the, the flares on it looked really nice as well um there weren't any around that, that had the flares mm. and they were just Rolled guards. I ended up putting um, thirteen by seven hot wires on it. Yeah. Um, I put a, a little, I guess, it's a four point five anionic scoop on it. Yeah. Um, and it, it it looked the part. You know, yeah. it looked really good. Yeah. So. For those listening, those are from Western Australia. I don't know about in New South Wales, but in the early eighties, you probably remember as well. RAC used escort yeah, panel true. vans as, as their, yeah, their vehicles you know that's I all they think use they use them for uh, nrma as well yeah. as some of the bigger holden vans mm. yeah so it was there was a lot of them around as a kid don't see them at all anymore they're, they're completely gone no we had one in the family for a long time so they are very close to my heart as yeah. well yeah. and i never know what happened to it my cousin my other cousin had one for about 20 years between both of them then one day it, i think they traded in or it disappeared and then I never know what happened to it, but I remember it was the sandy, gunmetal-y colour yeah, with the yeah, orange yeah. and red stripe down the side, and I can picture a, a Mark One Escort van in my head, like, perfectly. Yeah. So Really nice little car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after the Escort, you moved on to, it was a, H, correct me if I'm wrong here, HZ Sandman, is that is that correct? Yeah, HZ Sandman. Um, well, I can't remember the version, K&N something. Um First thing I did with that was uh, get out my mum's hairdryer mm-hmm. and uh, got rid of the Sandman sticker across the back of the tailgate. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> I thought Lee looked dorky. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was an amazing mural painted on that car, am I right? Uh, yeah, so I bought that from Custom Image and yep. it was done by Frank Lee. Yeah. Um, I actually found the receipt for it the other day. We were getting ready to move and I came across the actual receipt. I think I paid $245 for the bonnet with the uh, mural on it. Wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> and that was one uh, one of, I think, uh, two or three that was done by Frank Lee. Yeah. Um, he did another one that was a um, Star Wars sort of one. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that bonnet, unfortunately, only lasted a few weeks. Oh, okay. So I <laughs> pulled out in front of me and I T-boned him. Yeah, uh, okay. And bent the bonnet in half. So. Yeah. Tell us about the mural part of, of panel vanning. It, it goes hand in hand. For those that don't understand, why do you think that is? I think it's just, it just it becomes an individual thing. So, you know, you it's like the tattoos that some people wear, you know. it's Is it a, because you're tough? I don't think so. I think it's because the, the art's really nice. Mm. Um, and that becomes a part of the, the, um, the, the thing with the uh, murals on the van as well. Mm. You know, so it's an individual um, statement that you're making. Yeah, yeah. We don't see too much of it these days. I know there's, a, I think, I think there in was there may be a member of Wasmers. Their surname escapes me. I think it's Richardson's. 
correct correct me if I'm wrong, the vampire? Vampire, yeah. 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 Keith, I think it's Keith, yeah. Keith Richardson, yeah. I think he's yeah. That car is an amazing example of vanning like even now today in twenty twenty three. Like what a magnificent example True. of 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 that sort of, of workmanship. We'll talk about some of the vans uh, a little bit later on. I want to talk about your latest build, uh rebuild, rewind. Am I right to say that that car, did I see right that that car caught on fire not that long ago? Yeah, it's been uh, nearly a year and a half. Yep. Um, yeah. So you're doing a full rebuild on that now? Yeah, we had to make sure that we were, that the uh, body was um, salvageable with the heat, everything shrunk mm-hmm. you know, when it cooled down. Um, Neil Dowling from Voodoo Trucks and Customs is doing the work on it for me and uh, he's a bit of a wizard. It looks like a bit of a wizard, um, <laughs> and uh, he's managed to get everything pulled pulled straight. Yeah. So um, there's some videos up on YouTube on it uh, um, of him doing his uh, work on it. It's fantastic to see what he's done. Yeah, some I've seen some of the suspension work as well that you're fitting into it as well. Looks don't pre- know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, right, yeah, I do. No, it's all right. So we're doing a um, Neil uh, sort of convinced me to go the route of a Jag. Front end, so front jag, front suspension. So she's had a, a jag rear for a couple of years, and um, uh, we sort of decided to go down this path of doing a jag front suspension, which is a big thing to do. You know, to take that gas axe and cut out the hold and suspension was was pretty. Uh, you know, once you start, you can't stop. Mm. So mm. we we've done that. It's set in place, um, and then our next challenge was how we were going to run the the. Um, the uh, shockies and the the coils. So yeah. didn't want to use the uh, jag stuff because it, it would just look ugly. Um, and I found a guy um, who had done cantilevered coil over shocks on his Mustang in Canada. Mm. So I had a good look at how he's done that and talked to him a few times about different ways of, of achieving it. And we've got it nutted out now, and it looks pretty pretty flash. So once it's all set up, it'll uh, it'll look like nothing. Yeah. In this state before. Yeah. No, it's looking pretty. I've seen some photos and it looks pretty radical. I must say it's quite impressive. I was I was impressed by it. Impressed by it. Looking forward to seeing it completed. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll change gears a little bit here. We'll get off your, your uh, vans and we'll talk a little bit about the your work at Wasma. Um, tell us how... Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the, the team at Wasma. For those that are listening for the first time, Western Australian Street Machine Association, you developed, um, you've developed you developed a lot of their technology. So talk us a little bit through of, of how you got there. All right, so going back I think, to 2000, I uh, started my own internet company, uh, ran that for about five years and then changed vocation. Um, but I kept my hand in that. that that space, so I still do web, website hosting and um, website design and mobile mm. app design. Um, when I became the president of West Coast Vanners, um, uh, I wanted to make us as uh, technology savvy as I could, so I didn't want to have reams of paper lying around the place and having to get people to sign papers all the time. So I, I made West Coast Vanners digital, basically. Mm-hmm. So even our online registrations are all uh, all all digital, and um, it's all done via subscription, and it's uh, it's a lot easier for us to manage. Yeah, you know, we we've grown pretty quickly uh, in the in a short couple of years. So mm. we were 
um, a stayed chapter for another club for about three years, but we stagnated at 30 members. Yep. Then we changed over and started, did our own thing with our West Coast Vanners and we've gone up to about 125 members now mm-hmm. in a short time. So um, I got wind of getting back back to Wasma. I got wind that, that they were having a couple of meetings and uh, we're looking at doing something uh, with the um, C4C, which is the concessions for, for a classics, mm-hmm. uh, which is the West Australian Ridge Racing Scheme, which is great because it reduces our regos down about 75%, which... Mm-hmm. It's massive. Um, I, I attended a meeting and let them know what I'd um, what I could do for them. Uh, I had a sample website already done up for them. I showed them that and proposed that I'd uh, create the the uh, mobile app um, for them and their their affiliated clubs and their members. Mm-hmm. So the app um, uh, they they accepted my offer and and I started developing the app. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's a I haven't used the app, but I've seen it. I've seen it in use. It's a magnificent app. Just to explain to our listeners, maybe, maybe you you can as well. So for those that are on the concession, sorry, that's all right. Now. <laughs> for those that are on the concession, like myself, um, if we were to use the app-based technology, every time we can only take our vehicles out ninety days a year, sixty club days, thirty private days. If we were to use, if we were, to, if we were on the app technology, we'd use that app to log our our drive. Correct. Correct. So you use it to to log any use, so private use or club use. Um, we've gone along and sort of, I think it's about twenty clubs that are associated with Wasman now mm. that are using the app. So every time one of those clubs creates an event and it's an open event, then anyone who is using the app can use can go to those events and and, mm-hmm. and use their there are club days for those events. Mm-hmm. There's also a section where you can create a um, a private use day or an impromptu run day mm-hmm. for those that are on four hundred four. Yeah. Um, uh, and that that'll just give you that use for that that twenty four hour period. Yeah, yeah. It's great technology because look, someone like myself would love to use something like that. Unfortunately, where I find myself is having to use uh, logbooks. And paper because of our because of our member base, but that's that's another story. But I think you know that moving forward, that is the way to that's the technology to be it was, using. It was the whole reason behind doing the app was to take that pressure off the registrars um, who would have to compile all of those those uh, runs. So if you've got twenty guys that are all doing log books on on paper and they um, all submitted on the same day, then some person has to log all that into a spreadsheet and compile it so that when DOT does an audit, they can present it, whereas the app does all that for them. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that day, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell us the importance of WASMA, bringing car clubs together under the one banner, uh, still the car clubs function independently of each other. But the Wasma, the Wasma is an over looks looks for the best interest of those car, car clubs. Yeah. So what I've seen with the guys from Wasma is that they're all very savvy. When um, from what I've done, I think it's just a small part of of the the, the Wasma um, mm. uh, um, uh, business model, I guess. Yep. The bigger part of it is the work that's done behind the scenes with Department of Transport. And uh, as 
Wasmer grows and gets more and more clubs involved, then they have a larger voice to go to transport with and say, you know, this is what we need to change now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, what was done before Wasmer um, was also fantastic work and if it wasn't done, then we'd, we'd probably be nowhere. We'd, mm. we'd, we'd still be paying full whack for our rego. So mm. you can't forget what was done prior to WASMA um, and then how WASMA was formed and, and the reason behind it was so that we'd have a larger voice uh, when, we, we, when we go to speak to Transport about necessary changes. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. And I think you're all doing a magnificent job there at WASMA as well. Talk us now. You'll have to forgive me because Vicky sent these these notes through, and I wasn't aware of this, and I should have probably done my research. But this is the one thing I wasn't aware of. You're working with Wasma with the CARB liaison. Now, CARB is an acronym C A R B. So I'm not aware of what that is. All right. Well, that's clubs against antisocial road behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, that was born by uh, an. An unfortunate event in Myree where um, some online uh, car clubs uh, were, I guess, infiltrated for want of a better word and a lot of human activity going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that caused a lot of problems with the the uh, car clubs as we are and the, the WA police and, you know, the antisocial side of, of, of road behaviour is, is a big issue. You only want one car to get out of control and and uh, hit a bystander who's sitting there on the side of the road, egg them on. And we don't want that to happen at, at any level. Mm. Um, having to go to those sorts of things um, and, and deal with the, the uh, ripple effect after those, those horrible crashes is, is probably one of the worst things I've ever had to do. Um, so I... Uh, Wasma and Waypole had a meeting and there were some other clubs that were also involved and I got myself involved at a, a club level um, and uh, after the meeting I decided to create CARB which was basically wanted that to be a forum where car clubs could come in or car club uh, executives could come in and um, propose ideas to combat this um, the problem of hooning at their events. It's very hard to stop, um, probably near on impossible to stop because it's been going since um, people worked out that um, V8s could spin up wheels. Yep. Um, so you know, uh, the only way that we can really stop it is by working together as clubs and making it known to people that, that attend that if they um, want to carry on like that, well, then they're going to attract the wrong sort of attention. If it's a club member that, that does it, then they should be exited from, from that club. Mm, yep. Yeah. Okay. Do you think, however, but in, in my view, I, I do believe this. Now, I think the the WA police are pretty switched on, or know know where to to look, or which car clubs are in, or which car clubs are, are not the right ones to be looking at. If that makes sense, I think that there's enough now in the police force to understand where they need to be looking now. I think that's why uh, there was that initial meeting um, with uh, an inspector from State Traffic, so that um, they could sp- speak to the to, to Wasma and some of the uh, the club reps mm. and and try to put something in place to, to show that they understood that it wasn't just it wasn't coming from the clubs, but more or less coming from 
um, uh, un- un- unorganised clubs. Yeah. I'll tell you why I say that, and I say that with sincerity too. I say that because I come running my own car club. We have a number of events where we have police will come along, but they come along to look. They come along to look at the cars. I've had this happen quite often. And, and you know, we we did a, actually a day at a retirement village not that long ago where it was on a main thoroughfare. It was an opening of a retirement village. We had all of our cars parked there and the police came along for a look as well. And I think they, they, they know, I think now there's enough nows in the force to know where to look and where not to look. And I believe that, you know, they just come in. I think they'll show their presence, but I know that they're fully understanding of the right car clubs and, and not the right ones, if that makes sense. Correct, yeah. 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 You should probably tell us that at this stage, I mean, you're, you, you're a serving police officer. Yeah, correct. Yep. yep, yep. So, I mean, you come from also the – you come from both sides, basically, the car club side and also the, the – and, the and I've always maintained a very uh, um, firm belief that I've got to keep, very, keep both sides very, very separate. Mm. Uh, and and um, I've done that pretty well. Yeah. So I, I don't run around spout, um, speaking out that, that I'm a police officer, and uh, I mean, I've been in traffic since 2008. Yep. Um, and getting back to my mate who was killed mm. um, by a drink driver, well, uh, then I feel I'm in the uh, the right place, and mm. and that's why I love what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but I'm also uh, mindful of of how quickly um, perception can can be misdrewed. Mm. And that's why I wanted to, to, to get on board with this thing with, with, with um, CARB mm. and um, get the point across to both sides that, that, yeah. that there's a better way of dealing with things. Mm. Yeah, no, most certainly. Most certainly. No, I agree. I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful incentive. So you've been doing that with... Midland, uh, the, the Midland Police? The, no. No, okay. no, I'm State Traffic. Okay, righto. Okay, that's, okay. It, it's based in Midland, but yep. it's State Traffic. Okay, righto. So tell us, yeah, there's 50 clubs currently uh, interested in tackling the problem. What are, like, I'm asking the question legitimately myself, what are some of the things that from talk from one president to another, what are some of the things we can do? I don't have that issue in our car club. We have a none, we have a, well, we have a written agreement with our members there's a constitution when they join our car club it's actually written into our constitution so but tell us some car clubs may have not not have gone that far or may not have a constitution yet any club that's an incorporated needs to have one yeah needs to have one um and uh like in in west coast Downs, we we don't have that issue either mm uh, whether it's not because the the cars are really old and we don't want to break them, um, or we just see we don't see the benefit in doing doing burnouts and stuff and, and driving like like idiots anymore, say anymore because you know I was a young fella once and I drove mm. like an idiot, um, so I understand where all that that, um, that enthusiasm comes from mm. and um, trying trying to stop is very hard. So yep. when when you're talking from from a club level, then you've got to um, put it across to the members that uh, that sort of behaviour is not not tolerated. Mm. Uh, in Wasman now, in in the app, there's a um, code of conduct that's been implemented, um, and each uh, when you log in to the app, it's all. Uh, if if I log in under Wasma, 
it tells me that Wasma doesn't want me to do this. If I log in under West Coast Vans, it tells me that West Coast Vans doesn't want me to do this, but it's the same wording. Yeah. Just the, 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 the club changes for when you log mm. in. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think that it, the problem is is one that's it's it's going away. Not maybe not going away in the in some other segments of the car club scene, but certainly in the in the so, car clubs that are incorporated. I do strongly believe that that issue is 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 being weeded out, and I don't think that we we see those problems at all anymore. I, I think you're right. I think it it it's reduced quite a lot because clubs are are taking taking more action against those members that, that are mm. that are misbehaving. Yeah, yeah, most certainly, most certainly. You talked about the West Coast Vanders before. Tell us a bit about um, tell us a bit about your role there. Um, so I coming back quite a few years, probably five years, I think. Um, I was on the Majestic Vanders Facebook group. And uh, someone, I think it was Tony Smith, put up um, a post saying, what do we do to get a, a chapter over here? And I'd run um, Renegade Vanners back when I was a young fella. Um, leading up to that, I'd posted a fair bit of my old pictures up on um, ver- various groups. And Simon Major from Street Machine got in touch with me and said he wants to do a story with me. So I thought, man, I'm not, I'm not that interesting, right? Ended up being uh, uh, two editions of Street Machine. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you, but that's where I did most of my research, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, which was pretty cool for me, right? Yeah. After 30 years, to have that, that recognition, um, that was um, pre- pretty spot on. And sort of uh, opened the door, I, I guess, yeah. again to, to the, the uh, car scene. Um, I had a meeting. We had a meeting at um, my mate's place at... Forestfield, mm-hmm. a few guys came along. A few guys that that are with us now uh, came along, and um, I was driving a Captiva then, and I promised them that I would buy a panel van. I think it took me about six months to find one. Um, so I was the, uh, along with Andrew Coolman, I was the um, uh, state coordinator for Majestic Banners, um, and uh, that that ran from. For about about three years, yeah. and then uh, we we took over the WA van and on the the uh, van state titles. They wanted me to call it the, the WA state van titles. Um, I said I'm not going to do that, and they wanted to have majestic banners plastered over everything. So I'm not doing that because you, you don't own it; you're just a sponsor. Um, and they the president rang Andrew Coolman and wanted me out. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know that until after the event. Um, so we had a meeting of all the founding people that, 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 that started Majestic Banners here. And um, uh, it was decided then that we would start West Coast Banners. Uh, we yeah. gave them what they wanted. I got out. And uh, I took all the members with, with me. <laughs> so that worked out well for them. worked out well. <laughs> So tell us a bit. So West Coast Vanners, you've got a big event coming up uh, at the start of April. Tell us a little bit about Max Pinjara. We know Richie. Richie's come on the podcast before, so he's spoken about Max Pinjara. But tell us how that augurs also into the um, the state titles for for the vans. So when I started with Majestic, uh, I think it was the first time that I've been to a car show in you know, since before I lost all my hair. 
um, so quite a long time. And um, I think there was 12 vans there. That was that was our state titles. Mm. And there was only about about 12 cars there. It wasn't organised. It was it it was it was just a few vans parked on an oval, and then all of um, Max's cars, which was a great it was a great show. Um, the second year, I think um, the Monaro Club of WA had their um, state titles. Yep. And uh, and then ours was the the year after that, and I think that's when we kicked off. That was the last year of Majestic Vanners, uh, and then we decided that we wanted to run the state titles yearly, mm-hmm. and we've done that every year since, and and it's just growing and growing and growing. So yeah, okay. when I set it up at at Max's Oval, uh, on the Oval at at, uh, Ross, at uh, Pinjarra, um, I set it up so it's like a van alley. So vans are nose to nose at a nice angle, and people can walk walk through them. I think uh, first year we did that, we had close on forty vans there, and it sort of just went on forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And last year we had two rows of vans. Wow. Um, and this year we we hope for even even more. Yeah, okay. No, it's a, it's a big event. I know a friend of the podcast goes uh, every year, Deb Peters as well. I think she won some awards. She like. won about five, six yeah. awards. Yeah, she's not going to be there this year. She's up in Darwin, I think. Okay, so, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's um, head on down there, 2nd of April to Pinjarra. Um, big event. We, um, we're looking forward to it as well. Can I just touch base on that just briefly? Hmm. So I, I now do the website for Max Pinjarra. And uh, the WA Van and Ute State titles. Uh, I saw a bit of an issue where I, I thought that I could make it better for them. So I've created um, an online e- entry system um, where people enter their, their, their vehicles. Then on the day, on show day, they get uh, checked in electronically. Uh, so it'll save us time. And then judging's done the same way. So no more the, the, the judges need to run back and forth with pieces of paper and someone has to try to c- compile it all. It's all done on the fly. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, I believe Peter and Alison Davis used that same technology uh, for Northern Steel? They they gave it a trial run for their, their drive-in night. Yep. And the feedback was that that, that was pretty cool. They could, uh, as the cars were rolling up, they'd type in the red jar and they'd already have the person's name. So Yeah, okay. That was pretty yep. handy. Yep, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I, they talk, they talked yeah. about this to I us, remember, yeah. and I remember, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't, re- I didn't put two and two together. Sorry, I didn't realize that was your technology, but they did, they did tell us about that. I mean, speaking of this technology, then we we'll just, I'm flicking backwards and forwards here, but I missed this before. Tell us a little bit about Red Hot Internet uh, Solutions and how you got that started, <laughs> because it's an. In, you told us this story outside the studio before when we were waiting to come in. But tell us a bit about how it all got started. So, okay, so um, before I started the internet company, I came off the road driving road trains. Uh, as I said, my friend John Strawn had the uh, Chrome Exchange in Arncliffe in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, how about I start the Perth Chrome Exchange? He said, you can do what you like, mate. So I did. And he was selling, um, he was um, putting a whole lot of Allen, uh, Chrome Allen key bolt sets called... Um, Hot bits onto vacuum sealed cards, so and I was selling those as well from from my my shop at uh, um, in in Perth here. Um, that only lasted about a year because I had no idea what I was doing. Right, uh, no uh, business sense and no no money behind me, and it soon faded away. 
Um, but I kept the name Red Hot. I ended up uh, registering redhot.com.au um, back in 2000 mm-hmm. and, uh, and I've owned it ever since. So it's, um, I then had a small business called Red Hot Distributors where I was selling the hot bits from. Um, that obviously went away, so I kept Red Hot going and ended up uh, about a year ago now um, turned it into a company, so Red Hot Internet Solutions, Proprietary Limited, uh, where I'm ramping up my the the stuff that I do with our car clubs. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's that's that is in, that's yeah. even more interesting than the story Donna's outside. Yeah. <laughs> so now that's that's incredible. That I mean, red hot. That must be that dot com dot au must be worth a bit these days. I mean, you've had probably it's a like few artwork, you know. <laughs> How much you want to pay for it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I would imagine that would be worth a bit. I can imagine that must be up there. Nick, tell us a bit about, so car clubs in 2023, where do you see their importance? Because obviously the government, the state government, Department of Transport sees their importance. That was the part of the, that was the, that was the major part of the scheme. C4C scheme was you had to be a member of a car club. So obviously they see the importance. Tell us where you see the importance of car clubs in in Western Australia. I think just the overall organisation of um, of the clubs to promote that particular interest to to the public in a positive positive light. That's what I'm doing with um, with uh, West Coast Vanners. I'm backed by some some fantastic people, um, Andrew Coolman, um, Phil Platcher, um, uh, our treasurer Paul Bullard. Um, so yeah, backed back by a lot of really really cool people who, who all have the uh, the same vision. Mm. I could rattle off all, all the names if I could remember them all. Mm. Part of uh, turning sixty, um, um, but uh, and and I couldn't do it with, without all all of their their help and inspiration. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, and I echo those sentiments as well. I mean, since it's only been two years since we've been running, but you know we've had the privilege of doing, and I call it a privilege. We've had the privilege of doing the Christmas pageant, and that was a real highlight for me. I know. You know, my kids said, oh, no, we're not going to that, Dad. And I said, yes, you are. You're going to jump in the car with me. <laughs> and and you know what? They are. They cannot wait for Christmas next year to do the Christmas pageant again. You know, that, that was a real highlight for our car club. We only had six cars. They needed six cars to pull some floats. Yeah, it's an, and it is a privilege. Um, uh, a lot of the things we do are, and I, you know, we, we some of the things we take for granted, but you know, we get to do the Aussie Park show as well, yeah, uh, and and have our cars on display at the show. It is, it's a two way street, you know, the discount doesn't come for, for, for nothing. It's got a, and I've said that to all of our members the discount, the 75% comes at a cost, and the cost is that you need to give back to the community. It's one of the the core things of car clubs, what they should be, is giving back to the community. And I guess too with with um, panel rounds, because there is that nostalgia around them. Um, people love seeing them. You know, we we do the um, the uh, the event with our Tiger West on the Swan Classics on the Swan every year. Yeah, and we'll get there, we'll set up, and we'll open up our doors, our bonnets, our, everything's everything's open, and then we'll go for a walk down the road and. Everyone else is all closed up, and no one wants wants to look inside them, you know. So we we, we have them all open, you know. We got mm. Troy Thornton's Pash wagon. He's always got his girls in the back there, and you know it's just fantastic. Yeah, it, it's all gimmicky, but but it, it's what vanning is, is about. Well, exactly, that's what vanning yeah. is about. It's the, it's that that's the that's the essence of vanning. It's it really is, and I, I I love what you guys are doing. I really do. Where do you see the like? 
where do you see the car scene going in the next five years, five to ten years? Gosh, that's a good one, isn't it? Mm. Maybe, maybe my van will be uh, finished. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, where's it going to go? I, I don't know. Um, classics are getting harder and harder to get a hold of. Mm. They're getting more and more expensive, and uh, the ones that you do find are full of rust, and um, you know, you've got to pay a lot of money to get them back to some sort of um, condition. Um, so that that that's a hard part of the the car scene. Then you've got the advent of um, uh, electric cars and getting rid of fossil fuels. And you know, where, where does that that leave the the uh, classics? And there's always going to be be a, a question about that. Mm. You know, in twenty years' time, are we going to have petrol getting around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have this discussion all the time, and yeah. no one no one knows the answer really. At the end of the day, no one has the the, the silver bullet, but. Look, I, I say to all of our members all the time and I say to anyone listening to the podcast, if you are interested in the scene, a classic is might not necessarily be a, a car that you're looking at might not be a classic today, but it could be a classic in five or six years. And I'm always getting, I'm always trying to think of, like, should I get onto an EB Falcon or an EA, I won't say EA Falcon, but EB Falcon, or <laughs> I'd, should I? I yeah. drove across the country in an EA Falcon, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite fine. It didn't make it past Belladonia, but that's another story as well. <laughs> but yeah, or or should we be grabbing a V, you know, VP VP Commodore? They're harder to get now, anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm I'm always, and I say to my kids, start thinking about that. Start thinking because they're fifteen and and thirteen, so they're still young. But start thinking about where you want to be in the scene because they can't get into the XWXY scene or the H H. Forget it. Those cars yeah. are gone for them. Yeah. There's no yeah. hope for them. But they can get into the you know the sort of mid nineties, early two thousands Commodore and Falcon scene. I'm not quite sure what the answer is. I don't know, but we've got to keep our eyes open on I'm, those sorts of cars. I'm hoping that the work that that, that Wasma does with DOT will see this the, this uh, the date that they've got set at the moment, which is uh, 1990, so 31st of December '89. I'm hoping that that will become a rolling date. So. Cars like um, the the um, HSV Clubbies and and the, the Manters and stuff and the Fords of that same era will then benefit from the uh, the the uh, rolling uh, register uh, scheme that we got. Look, I think that I agree with you one hundred percent, and and I know a lot of us all say the same thing. Eddie Arachi saying the same thing. We're all saying the mm. same thing. A sliding window would be more appropriate now, but I think. Yeah, I don't know where the government is with that, but I think you know, in time that may come, and I hope it does, um, and that'll that'll help the scene as well, no doubt. I think it'll secure some of those older cars, some of those mid ninety cars yeah. into collections and and whatnot. So, True. yeah, well, I sincerely hope that that goes that way. Talk us through some of your other passions as well. Like I know, I know, I've been you, you, when you walked in here, you showed some of your photography skills as well. Talk us through some of that because I find that I'm. I'm not a photographer at all, but I, I'm interested in it as well. So my wife and I just got some new phones, the new S23 Ultra, and um, one of the adverts for it was uh, getting these fantastic nighttime shots, and and I wanted to learn how to do that. Right? So it's you know, I've, I've worked away quite a bit, uh, Fitzroy Crossing, Halls Creek, and there is no light pollution out there. And some of the, 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 the photos I've got without this sort of technology has been fantastic. Um, and then a bit of a discovery of what I could do with this this phone as opposed to going out and buying an SLR. 
I was quite blown away by by its performance. So it's you know getting the setting it up and letting it c- capture raw uh, image of the stars over ten minutes. It just it just captures everything. It's amazing. It is incredible, isn't it? Like I three years ago, I went out and bought an SLR. And I'm not. I don't regret it, but I think I could have done better from an S23. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, you're you're right. It's 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 amazing where that technology has gone. So, I I know I know Todd. You like your photography as well. Yeah, and I was about to say I've actually put my SLR down almost a year ago now, and I've only got an iPhone 11, but I've never picked up the SLR again. I haven't yeah. seen you with the SLR for a long time. And even the other night when we were at the drags, I got some pretty good photos and video just off my iPhone. Mm. And I was yeah. sitting uh, on the highway in Fitzroy Crossing, uh, middle of nowhere, no 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 street lighting, um, middle of night, so probably about about ten thirty at night, and I've taken photos and it looks like daytime, and that was with the the, the iPhone night mode, and yeah. that was fantastic. Talk us through some of that. I, I'm I'm fascinated by the Kimberley as well. I, I love the Kimberley. With your work, you're obviously up there a fair bit. Talk us through like some some of the people that live in Perth or live in the eastern eastern states have never been to the Kimberley. Talk us through what it's like. Certainly up there. an eye opener. Um, I think my first trip up there was um, Border Patrols with, for for COVID stuff. Um, I spent two weeks in Halls Creek, and that's got some amazing country. Out there, so um, you know, driving out of the border, the the NT border, you know, getting photos out there and um, going and having coffee with someone at a remote station uh, was pretty cool. I think it was um, Nicholson Station. We we had coffee with, with the people out there, mm. um, right in the middle of nowhere. You know, um, they do mustering with uh, choppers, and the the herd just walks down the road towards you and. Uh, <laughs> And then you drive off onto a track, and you, you come across a, a little um, a little uh, billabong, and um, it's all green and lush, and birds are flying around you. It's a fantastic place. It is. It's it's the sort of place where I always say to people, you expect to see a dinosaur walk around a corner. You really do. Yeah. yeah. And you have you been before as well? Well, I've furthest I've been was I was in near Tom Price only a week ago. Okay. So that's yeah. about as far as I've been inland. Yeah. And I've been up to Headland and I've been all up that way. So, mm. Well, I threw my drone up over uh, Wolf Creek Crater oh, and nice. got some fantastic footage there. Mm. Um, and you know, sent the drone off from the, the roadside uh, to about 2Ks away. So I had to run out of battery and it came back, thankfully. Because <laughs> it's going to be a long walk. Um, I took like a, a Mesa that looked like it was it would go on forever, but it, when, when you're up there, it was only like really narrow. Um, but it looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's it is an incredible part of the world. And for those that are listening, if you get a chance, head up there. Head up there. Yeah. Keep your doors locked though. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, it was great having you on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and coming down here. I know it was a, it's a bit of a hike for yourself. You brought the family along as well. I hope they had fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was our, our pleasure. It was uh, really really good to meet you guys and uh um I hope uh I remember everyone's name again next time. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we we can find WASMA. It's W-A-S-M-A 
www.org.org.au. Head there. And they have a magnificent Facebook page as well. Head to the Facebook page, Western Australian Street Machine Association or WASMA. Cannot miss it. They do a magnificent job. All the team at Wasma, shout out to everyone there. Happy Vicky as well. Vicky's the media coordinator and she does a lot of this. She does a lot of work behind the scenes as well. Everyone at Wasma does a lot of work behind the scenes. So Yeah. And they Vic- all do it because they love that they are seen. So it's there's no one getting any, any massive benefits out of it. Mm, yeah, they do. They do. They love it. Yeah. And that's that's the thing about car clubs. I mean, none of us get what are we what do we you and I, we don't I get know. no, I get the um the satisfaction knowing that, that, that people are able to get get the cheap rego. I mean, we've we got 125 members, but only half of them are on C4C. Mm. The rest of them just want to be a part of a, um, their own panel club. Isn't that funny? That's a really interesting stat you just said there. I probably should have spoken about that earlier. So you're saying 50% of your members are on C4C. We're, right, we're roughly 62, so a little bit more. Yeah. But we've got nearly 200 members now. And only sixty-two percent of them are on the on the concession. A lot of our members joined just for being, and they are eligible to go on the concession. But they joined not for the concession; they joined to be part of something bigger and better. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. So it's so, like yeah, sixty, and we've been running that at sixty-two, sixty-three percent mark the whole time. Even when we started out, we were just fifty members. It was roughly sixty-two percent, and it's been sixty-two percent the whole time. No matter how big we got, we never go over that. So it's it's quite an incredible figure yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. We've, yeah. We've got some people that have got three, four, or five cars that they're on C four C, and it just saves them so much money. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, know, yep. you, you consider that my van was um, eight hundred dollars a year, down to one hundred seventy five dollars a year. Mm. Um, made it affordable. You know, I was always only losing her for for three months at a time because I just couldn't afford that eight hundred dollars. You know, so now now I can do it. You know? Yeah. I'm in the same boat, exactly the same boat. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it certainly helps. It certainly helps, but it's not – I always say to uh, – when we're talking to the government, I say, listen, this isn't – it, these, these are the figures. These are the, you know, 62%. It's not everyone's not – it's not everyone on the gravy train, let's put it that way. Yeah. No, and like, I guess with the app, um, I can see the, the our stats. So we're closing in on – I think we're over 1,500 members now mm. using it. And uh, close to two thousand cars. Yeah, you know when you work out the saving to uh, as a group, that's the, significant. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, the, so the app has certainly done what what it was supposed to do. Most definitely. Yeah. Okay, Nick. Well, look. As I said, thank you very much for coming down and, and coming on the podcast. It's great to have you here, and uh, we'll hope to chat with you soon in the near future. We'll see you at Max. No worries. Right. Take right. care. Yeah. Thanks. See, see ya. ya.